The first thing I want to do is to give some basic biblical propositions concerning the body and then some suggestions toward the attitude that you and I should have toward illness. Number one, this body in which you and I live is affected by the fall and thus is subject to the ordinary processes or processes of death and decay. Now it is un important to understand that the body of a Christian does not differ from the physical body of a non-Christian in the sense that one is exempt from the processes of death and decay. It's still subject to the ordinary processes of death and decay as a non-Christian's body. Now I want to give you these verses of scripture and read them and you might want to jot them down. You might, we won't have time to look them up. 2 Corinthians 4.16 Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outward man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Then there's 2 Corinthians 5.4, it reads this, For indeed while we are in this tent, we groan being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Philippians 3.20 and 21, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble estate into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Now note that the Apostle Paul describes our body as a body of a humble estate or state. Romans chapter 8 says that the whole creation has taken part in the fall and groans under the curse and that we ourselves groan. So that the first thing that we have to realize is that our body is a fallen body subject to all the ordinary processes of death and decay. So what that says is if you get sick, you ought not be surprised. If you get old, you ought not to be surprised. All right, second. This body, though affected by the fall, is yet to be redeemed. Now the reason I want to make a special point of this, again, is that the one um, group who, who contends that everybody ought, that God intends for everybody to be well, is a group that believes that in, the, in, the, uh, in redemption, in the atonement, healing has already been accomplished for everybody. We just need to name it and claim it. Point two suggests that though this body is affected by the fall, it is yet to be redeemed. Romans 8.23 says this, And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoptions as sons, 
the redemption of the body. There is coming a time when this body will be redeemed, but it is in the future. It's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about when it talks about the redemption of the body. 1 Peter 1.5 says, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, all the way through the New Testament, the writers make reference to a future day of the redemption of the body. The book of Revelation, chapter 21, talks about a coming day when God will wipe away all tears from our eyes and there'll be no more pain or death, and yet it's future. And until then, our bodies have the consequences of sin and the fall. There are a lot of things that Jesus purchased for us in the atonement, which is future, and the redemption of the body is one of those things. All right, number three. This body, even though subject to the fall, belongs to God and should be surrendered to him to be used for his glory. Now I went up uh, to to spend a little time up at Falls Creek with a youth uh, Thursday, walked into the worship service, and this guy was preaching on this very thing, on the fact that everybody who has been saved is to present his body to God to be used for God's glory because that body belongs to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body. I'm impressed by how often the the Bible refers to the body. This body belongs to God because he bought it or purchased it by his blood. 1 Corinthians 6.13 reads, Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. We're fixing to go eat some, gorge and, and uh, indulge. Remember this and try to feel guilty. I, I probably won't, but I hope you will. Food is for the stomach and stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Romans 12, 1 says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And Philippians 1:20 reads, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ shall even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, this verse indicates, or these verses indicate, that the body belongs to God and is to be presented to him to be used for his glory. Now, this is significant because there is a missing, there is missing a certain promise. Now, one of the proof texts that those people who believe that everybody ought to be well is Exodus 1526. And Exodus 15:26 reads, and God said, "If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, 
and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Now, this passage is used by those who say that if you just obey God, he will not let you get sick. He will not put diseases on you. I remind you that this promise was made to ancient Israel and does not apply to the church. When he, was given, when he was talking about giving ear and keeping his commandments, he said if you keep all of his commandments and all of his statutes, he will not put diseases on you. Now he's not just talking about keeping the Ten Commandments. He's talking about keeping the ceremonial laws of Moses and the ceremonial commandments and we don't think we're bound by these. If you take this literally, what you're, to, to apply to you today, what you're saying is that God says that if you'll keep all the laws of Moses involved in the laws of Moses, all those ceremonial laws they observed, that you'll never get sick. Listen to me. When we come to the New Testament, we find and we find all these statements concerning healing and health. There is not one single promise that if one is obedient, he will be exempt from bodily ill. Not one is accompanied by that promise that if we keep commandments of God, we'll be exempt from illness. Now, if I am to present my body to him for him to use and to get glory through my body, then I need to realize that sometimes listen to me, sometimes God uses sickness for his glory and for our good. Now here's the real test. Is are you willing to give your body to God for him to make sick so he can get glory for that? Now I don't want you to misunderstand me. And those of you who are watching television, I want you to misunderstand me, but the real test is this is that the point is that I'm to present my body to God for him to use for his glory, period. And if he chooses to get glory in illness, then I must be willing to present my body to him for him to use in illness. See. Now what are we going to do about all those wonderful saints who are known by their suffering? Some of the greatest saints I know are the greatest sufferers. Are we going to say that they're not what they appear to be? There, that there was some secret sin in their life? Or are we going to say that they didn't have enough faith? Or should we say that they presented their lives to God, period, and that God was using their illness to get glory to himself? That's the greatest thing. All right, number four. God often heals the body in answer to prayer. Now you may think that I may, you know, I've been to some of you, I've been somewhat negative, I'm sure. Um, and, and you may think that I don't believe in divine healing. I do believe in divine healing. I need to say again that, that God does often heal the body in answer to our prayer. 
And I believe in divine healing. I believe all healing has divine superintendency, even the natural processes of healing. In Acts 28, 8, Paul exercises his gift of healing. And these people were healed, all of these people. And many of them were not necessarily believers. But it is noteworthy to mention, noteworthy to mention that there was no naming or claiming done by any of them. God just healed them in answer to Paul's prayer and his gift of healing. Now Philippians 2.25 verse through 27 reads like this. Listen to this. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, the point I want you to notice there is that God had mercy on Epaphroditus and healed him. There was no naming or claiming. There was no claiming of a birthright that they demanded to God. He just said that for, for, the re, for, the, for, for the reason of God's sovereign grace, he just had mercy on this man and healed him. God does heal in answer to prayer. Now, with your New Testament, I want you to turn to James. Because we need to take a long look at James 5, beginning at verse 13. Here, here we are, and we're going to have plenty of time. I know you're thinking about that cherry pie that I hid off to the side back there. And your mouth is salivating, thinking about that. We're going to get there in just a minute. I want you to zero in on James 5. And I want us to get a glimpse into the early church and, and, and what is being said about sickness and suffering. I want to point out several features. Now I want to read first, beginning verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I want to say several things. Number one, there is a great deal of reference to sin in this passage. Example, verses 15 and 16. Now I think there are times when we're sick because God is disciplining us because of our sin. And that may be the case in this passage. That these folks he's writing about have sinned and have sin in their life and the result of their sin is, the natural consequence of their sin is their sickness or God is disciplining them because of their sickness. But, he also points out that not every sickness is because of sin. He uses the word if. See, look at that in verse 15. 
He says, and if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now he's talking about sick folks, and then he says, if they have committed sins, let them pray about that so their sins can be forgiven them. And it doesn't take a Harvard graduate to understand that he's talking about the fact that sometimes their sickness is the result of sin, but not all the time. All right, number two. The person who is sick is the person who is to take the initiative in calling for the elders of the church. Now he's not saying that elders are to get their little uh, ointment bottles and go around anointing people. He's not saying that at all. Guy called me not long ago and said, would you come and anoint me with oil and pray for me? I said, I sure will. He called me to do that. And Dennis went with me. We went out and we prayed and in that process and that experience doing what we were asked to do. But he didn't say that there's elders in the church goes around with their oil kits anointing everybody in the hospital. The person who is sick is to take the initiative. And I don't think that means that we are to anoint people who are always to anoint people who are sick. Jesus never did. And Paul not in every instance anointed when he, when he, went, when he healed. Now what was the purpose of anointing with oil? We've been in this way before, but just go back again. I think that this oil was a visible expression of the faith that one has in the Holy Spirit. Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing mystical or magical about it. Rather, it is the visible expression of our faith in that which the oil symbolizes. That is, it is the visible expression of our faith in the healing work of the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the most important aspect, now wake up and get this, and if you've been visiting with your neighbors, zero in on this, I want you to get this. Somebody's going to ask you this one day. The most important aspect of this passage is in the statement, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. I need you to underline the word, the little article, the, verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith. Now, what, what is this prayer, the prayer of faith? There are those who say that if we come and we pray with enough faith, then they will be healed. That's not what he's saying at all. Now, if you trust me in anything, trust me in this point. That is not what he's saying. He's not saying that if you come praying in faith, he will be healed. When he says the prayer of faith, the emphasis is on the article the prayer. There's a definite article in front of that word prayer. Now watch. And it always refers to a specific identity. It's not any prayer of faith. James is talking about a special faith or a special prayer. James is saying that there is a kind of prayer that God himself inspires and imparts. 
and a faith that you can't have unless he gives it to you. He's not saying that if you just believe, you'll be healed. That's not what he's saying. He's referring to a special kind of prayer and a special kind of faith that he imparts arbitrarily and sovereignly. Now listen to me. There have been times when everybody here I feel, there have been those times when suddenly there came some tendency of amazing boldness to believe and to pray at a specific time. Haven't you had those moments? When all of a sudden God just, just gives you a boldness to ask for a certain thing right then. It's just that it's not a t after you prayed all night or that you fasted. It just may come in a moment, just out of the blue, you know. You just feel this impression to pray for a certain thing and God inspires that prayer. That's what he's talking about. It's this special gift of faith and prayer that he gives. Now, in my own experience, I've had that. Now, I've related to you before the experience of the healing of that physician in a hospital room in, in, in Amarillo, Texas. Now, I am absolutely convinced that that physician had the prayer of faith. Because we talked a long time and he asked me a lot of questions about it. And I went out of the room. When I came back in, here's this guy. He's one of the most, one of the sweetest men, a great Christian man, a physician. He said, Gerald, I feel impressed. I feel impressed of God to ask for my healing. And that's what we did. And he was healed. Now what James is talking about here is, not if you haven't work up enough faith or have enough faith, you'll be healed. He's talking about the fact that sometimes God just imparts that special prayer, that special faith for healing. And that's what you claim. See? That make any sense? Now the conclusion is that God does heal and that all healing is from God, and He heals by supernatural means, but He also heals by natural means. Sometimes He goes through the, sometimes through the doctor and through medication, but that healing comes from God. Sometimes it occurs all at once. Sometimes it occurs gradually through the medication. J. Sidlow Baxter makes a good point when he says that God does not heal supernaturally when medication can meet the need. Generally speaking, that's correct. When those means that God has given through surgery and medication, etc., can accomplish a heal the healing, then those are the means we will use or He will use. And we need to continually remind ourselves that sickness is a part of the human situation and we're subject to the same processes of death and decay as the non-believer and that God permits suffering for His glory. It ought to be an opportunity to experience the sustaining grace of God. And let me make it unmistakably clear that there's not one verse of Scripture that says it's always an evil thing from the devil. Sometimes it's a means of developing us. Now I'd like to make some suggestions and then I'm through. Concerning praying for the sick. There is nothing as heart crushing and as frustrating as seeing our loved ones go through sickness. We feel so helpless. And we all have them like that. And we ought to pray for them. 
some suggestions concerning praying for the sick. Number one, when we approach the matter of praying for the sick, we need to accept the will of God, whatever it is, up front. His will is always best, whatever it is, and we need to accept that in advance. One of the most marvelous things about Tal Sweeney was the fact that from the very beginning up front, his, his attitude was, if this is God's, if this is God's will for me, I accept that with joy and with courage. Now sometimes there's nothing more difficult to discern than the will of God. You know that as well as I do. And nothing is more difficult to discern than the will of God at the point of healing. You see a child who is desperately ill and it just doesn't seem possible that he would want that child that he would not want that child to be healed. And it's almost impossible to be objective in that case. We, need, we do need to understand when it comes to us trying to determine the will of God that we're not very, sub, not very objective, but we are very subjective when it comes to the will of God at the point of healing. We want it so bad. And there ought to be a seeking of God's guidance in advance and a waiting on Him and the, and, and the Holy Spirit, waiting on Him and the Holy Spirit to give us guidance and leadership at this point. In other words, we need to, to be sure that, that what we're praying is within the will of God. All right, number two. In fact, I knew a, uh, a uh, preacher one time who went into a op hospital room and this guy was there and he, he, was, he, he was just, you know, way off from God. He got way away from God, you know. And this preacher friend of mine, he said, I, when I walked in, he said, I just had a sense that God was trying to, going to teach him, you know, on his back what he couldn't teach him while he's up walking around. And he said, when I started to leave, the guy said, Pastor, would you pray that, that God would heal me? And he said, looked at him and said, no, I won't. And it, it, it offended him, insulted him. And the pastor, you know, went on to explain. He said, I can't pray that God will heal you if God's teaching you and bringing you back to Him in this illness. I'd be asking God to go against His own nature. You know what I'm saying? All right, number two. We need to always pray in the direction of our burden. To release the burden. Pray that God will heal. But in the process, pray that if God, that, but if in, the, in the process of praying, if God seems to take away the liberty to pray for that healing, we need to back away from it. Now watch what I'm saying carefully. I need to help you understand just what I've said. If you're praying in the direction of the lifting of the burden and you feel like that God 
doesn't want you to pray that way, you need to back off. You hear what I'm saying? If you can't feel that God is leading you to pray that way, don't beg God, back away from it. Now, just as a kind of an aside, I want to give you how to know when you can stop praying. You can stop praying when you get the answer you prayed for. You can stop praying when you get the assurance that you have the going to get the answer you're praying for. Or when God says no. Now the problem is that we don't want to take no for an answer sometime because we are subjective. But be honest with God now and with yourself. If in the praying for this, you feel like that God is saying no, then you need to honor the fact that God has a right to say no. You hear me? You're not going to beg God and get Him to change His mind. Now this has happened to me more times than the other. In fact, I've prayed for several things and I've I've just in, the, in praying and sense, no, this is not what God's going to do. And so, I, you know, in all honesty, I can't pray that way anymore. Jack Taylor taught me that lesson. All right, number three. When God gives the assurance of healing, when that happens, we can claim that. He's talking about name it and claim it. When God gives the assurance of healing, you can claim that. In other words, I really believe this, that you can be praying and God says, okay, now just, it's okay. It's going to be all right. This person's going to be well. You can claim that. Now in the morning, the devil may come and whisper in your ear and try to take that away from you. And as time passes, that'll happen. Um, that, that this is really not the case, but we just keep on claiming that assurance that God has given us. And that's the naming and the claiming we have a right to do. All right, by way of review, four things. This body in which you and I live is affected by the fall that's subject to ordinary process of decay and death. This body, though affected by the fall, is yet to be redeemed. This body, even though subject to the fall, belongs to God, and He can do with it whatever He wants to. He's the potter and we're the clay. And number four, God often heals the body in answer to prayer. So keep on praying. Before we give an invitation tonight, I want to tell you about a man who is watching this service from the hospital room from Southeastern Medical Center. And he got sick about six months ago, really sick. And I, I went by to see him this afternoon and I told him I was going to do this tonight. So I'm not, he wanted me to do this. He got, he got sick and he had this surgery and uh, the surgery was a major surgery and, and he is critically ill. Unless there is the divine intervention of God, he's not going to get well. And um, in the hospital room, I went and visited with him. It's, his name is Jack Jones, not the police chief, but Mrs. DeWoody's brother, an elderly. I saw, I, he's a little older than I am, so I, I, he's, he's, he, you might say he's elderly. 
And in this hospital room, I shared with him how to be saved, and he prayed and received Christ as his Savior. And he's, he, he probably, he may not, unless God intervenes, he may not have the physical strength to ever be baptized. But I told him that I wanted to share this with you as though he were baptized tonight. And for you to receive him into this fellowship by that kind of statement. I think you want to do that. And I believe this, truly believe this, that that God has used this illness that He has to get glory for Himself and good for that man. You can't ever convince me of any other thing than that. That in this illness, God healed the worst kind of sickness, His sin sickness, and saved Him. And God has gotten glory from that and will continue to get glory from it. And He's gotten the good because He's better now than He's ever been. He's whole now spiritually. You follow what I'm saying? And so we rejoice and give God glory and thanks for it. And you'll just, so He can hear that you rejoice with Him, I want you to just say amen. 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 That's right. You hear that? Here we are. Let's pray together. Our Father, here is our life. Here are these bodies of ours. We want you to get glory in and through them, whether by living or by dying. Our prayer is in Jesus' name.